So welcome everybody. I'm Peg Doyle, owner of Wellness and You, and I'm really glad to be here tonight and even gladder that you're here um, because I, I'm here to talk about my very favorite subject and that's lifelong wellness. Um, and one of the things that uh, I want to do tonight is work at tweaking your, your thinking around lifelong wellness a little bit and uh, we'll have plenty of time for questions. I, especially with a group this size, I love to have it interactive. So any time along the way, if you want to jump in with a question or a comment, by all means, please do. Um, because that's how we all learn, not just from what I'm saying. Um, so I've been doing this work for about 20 years. And one of the things that uh, has really become very clear to me is we get a lot of messages and when we get the same message over and over again we start to believe it. So how many of you have heard comments about um, uh, any kind of symptoms that you've had being related to your age? Yeah, I, I, yes, uh, thank you. Um, so there's a story, uh, it, it's probably a piece of folklore, but I think it's, it really sums up that experience uh, quite clearly. There, the story is there was a man named John, and he was 90 years old, and he went to his doctor and com complaining about pain in his knee. And it was a terrible pain, and John loved walking, um, but he couldn't walk because his knee was bothering him so much. So the doctor looked at him and said, well, you know, John, you're 90 years old. And John said, I know I am. And my other knee is 90 years old too, and that's perfectly fine. So I thought that was a great example of how we can very quickly dismiss a symptom to our age when really it's, it's a symptom of something going wrong. Either John was walking too much and irritated his knee, he wasn't walking enough, or he could have been eating inflammatory type foods that just caused inflammation in his body that showed up in his knee. So it can be a lot of reasons, but when we have symptoms, usually there's a reason for it. And in, uh, in so much of our mindset around uh, health and wellness, the, uh, the first idea that comes to most people's minds is take a pill, take an Advil, take a Tylenol, uh, wrap it up, do something like that, when really, from my experience, the healing starts on the inside. The problem starts on the inside and then it manifests in symptoms. So when you, when you change your mindset and really begin to think about, well, why do I have that pain? Or why am I having indigestion? Or why do I have a headache? Or why can't I sleep at night? And then you look at your lifestyle, you can begin to correct it and uh, make some changes so that you feel better because I'm convinced our bodies want to feel good and know how to heal when we give them the
the, the tools that they need. So um, think about that. What's in your mind? How, how do you think about symptoms? What, what's your first thought about how to feel better? Anybody want to talk about that? I yeah. like Tai Chi. Tai Chi. And what does that do for you, Carol? Well, first of all, it slows me down um, mm -hmm. remarkably. Mm -hmm. But it is using certain, I think it's a really good combination of using your mind and your body together. And it's slow enough that that works so well. And the other good thing is I don't think you have to be an expert or particularly right. physically fit mm -hmm. to start. Right. Good point. And for those of you who might not be familiar with Tai Chi, it's a, it's a movement and it's based on traditional Chinese medicine and you have a series of movements with the objective of continuously moving your body. And uh, you could think of yoga as a therapeutic practice too. Qigong is another practice. Simple walking or swimming, all of those can be very therapeutic if we're not walking on pain. You know, if we're walking on pain, we have to rest. Um, our body sometimes needs rest. But most often, if you can walk or do some activity for four or five minutes when you have some kind of pain, the pain will resolve or get less. And that would tell you it's a good idea to keep going. If it's getting worse, then that's a, that's a sign that you need to rest and slow down. But movement is a very important and uh, beneficial part of the healing process. When you think about body aches, um, I, I think about little kids all the time. They can throw themselves on the ground a hundred times a day and never have an ache or a pain. We sit in chairs a lot of the time of our adult lives. It's the lack of movement that very often is the cause of achiness. So we have to keep moving in order to uh, stay well. I, um, does anybody know about Google Alerts, a feature on Google? Yeah, I, I have an alert for centenarians. I'm a big fan of centenarians because uh, almost every night I'll get an alert about another article on centenarians because they have so much to teach us about staying well and living long. And so I've noticed these trends with centenarians. They all say, stop sweating the small stuff. You know, just relax. Don't worry about things. Things take care of themselves. And obviously, if you live 100 years, you've seen that happen. You've seen a lot of tough things, but you've also seen endurance, resilience, and recovery. Uh, so that's what they say. Most of them eat um, food at home. They don't uh, eat much in restaurants. And they love being around people they love. 
So that's very simple, a very simple formula for long-term wellness. And then in our lifetime, we can maybe make a comparison. We have two kinds of cars here. That shiny red convertible that's all spiffed up. Obviously, whoever owns that is taking good care of it, right? And then the other sad sack of a car, probably left out in the rain for years and years, probably no interior engine care, just a really sad looking thing. Well, we could look at the two ways we can choose to live our lives, either really taking good care of ourselves or becoming a junker. <laughs> and I think uh, the very fact that you're all here tonight tells me that you are motivated and want to be well. Otherwise, you wouldn't have taken the time to do that. Um, so what, what I think is one of the strongest beliefs I have is, you know, with that junker car, um, you'd probably have to have a real genius who could rebuild that rusty roof and, and hood, um, probably would have to replace it. We can't replace our, all our parts, but we can repair a lot of what's wrong. So wherever you are right now, if you have symptoms, stop for a minute and think about why do I have them? And think about your mindset, about your ability to get better and feel better, because I, I really believe we all can. Now, one of the um, basic beliefs that we hear a lot about is, you know, my parents have type 2 diabetes, I'll probably get it too. Or my parents have heart disease, I'll probably get that. Well, the reality is only 30% of our uh, future is based upon heredity. The other 70% is our lifestyle. Yeah, so if you have uh, parents that were, had a particular illness, think of that as valuable information, uh, not a, a death <coughs> sentence for you. It, you know ahead of time that probably you have a risk of whatever that disease is. So take the steps now so that you don't get the disease. Um, it's, it's really so much in our own hands, not in, um, not in fate. We can say fate if we don't want to do the work, but I don't know, I like what those centenarians say and I'd like to think that everyone in this room can get there uh, in a very healthy way and be glad you're there. Uh, medicine today can keep us alive for a long time, but I don't know, you can have a huge uh, 401k, um, you can inherit all sorts of money, you can have all sorts of things going on, but if you don't have your health, it's really hard to enjoy much about life. Uh, some people do it with great uh, grace and, uh, and 
face their challenges and it's so admirable, but if it's preventable, why wouldn't we want to avoid uh, any kind of chronic illness. And by the way, 75% uh, of Medicare dollars are spent on chronic illness. And most chronic illness is preventable. Those kinds of illnesses are type 2 diabetes, um, osteoarthritis, um, heart disease, the, those are the, the diseases that are chronic and will last for many, many years, but they also can be reversed, even type 2 diabetes. So I want, I want to tell you uh, uh, my story, and this is part of why I'm such a believer in the ability to recover. When I was growing up, I thought that I was allergic to all fresh fruits because when I ate them, I would get hives in my mouth. And that's not a good thing. People really worry um, when someone gets hives in their mouth because you can end up with your throat closing and die. So I didn't eat any fresh fruits. And our bodies are designed to need a certain amount of sugar in our blood. Um, sugar is energy. So there are a couple of ways to get that. You can get it from uh, M&Ms um, and Milky Ways and cake and cookies, or you can get it from fresh fruits and sweet vegetables. So I was getting my uh, sweet vegetables, but I wasn't getting any fruit. What I was getting was Peggy Lawton cookies. Um, in my former career, I became known <laughs> as Peggy Lawton because I always had those cookies in my desk drawer. I ate cookies, I ate cake, I ate candy regularly, every day. Not a lot of it, but every day because I wasn't eating fruit. Until one day a woman offered me an apple at work and I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't eat apples. And she said, um, why? And I explained to her, and she said, well, this is an organic apple. And all those years ago, I didn't know what organic was. I said, what's organic? And she said, well, it's, it's a fruit that's grown without pesticides and without chemical fertilizers. And I said, well, I'll give it a try. You know, I had never had anaphylaxis, so I, I wasn't afraid of dying. Um, and I took a bite, and I was fine. I had no reaction. I ate the whole apple. And so after that, I started eating other fruits. I, I was really interested because I always liked them. I just couldn't eat them. And as I kept experimenting, what I found was I wasn't eating the cookies and candy anymore. I still eat some, but I, that's not my daily diet. And the reason, um, I, I call it the crowding out theory. When, you, when your body is getting the nutrients it needs, it doesn't keep calling for something else. My body was calling for sugar because I wasn't getting it in the form of fruit. And I wasn't getting enough in the form of sweet vegetables. So. Um, that was such an aha moment for me. 
I was in my 40s at the time and uh, I had gum disease. And how many of you have heard, oh yeah, of course in your 40s your gums start to fail. Um, so I thought it was normal. I also had very elevated triglycerides and I couldn't figure out why because I wasn't eating fried foods, I wasn't um, doing, I don't know, some of the things that I thought were connected with triglycerides um, and fat. Uh, I wasn't eating much meat at all. So about six months after this transition happened for me where I started eating a lot of fruit, um, I went for my annual checkup and um, my triglycerides had dropped 200 points. And that was the only change I had made, was just eating less sugar. Um, my dentist, my periodontist at the time, told me I would need to have gum scaling every three months for the rest of my life because I had gum disease in my 40s. I've never had a scaling since. So both of those things told me that our bodies really know how to get better and pretty fast when we make the right changes. So um, that's why I, I really switched to doing this work and got some training in nutrition because it's amazing what happens. Food really becomes us. It becomes our body and you put junk in you'll have junky results. If you put good quality in, you'll get better. So, make sense? Yeah. Um, I brought some samples. Uh, you know, I, I think back to the centenarians, what, um, what they talk about is the idea of eating real food. And um, so these foods that I brought tonight very simple, um, but these two, the onion and the garlic, are really what I think of as medicinal foods because they have healing properties. If you have illnesses, for instance, um, tendency to catch colds or um, bronchitis, pneumonia, anything like that, garlic is your friend. Um, have, it, have it often. Uh, there's been research connecting onions with a uh, really significant reduction in the risk of various cancers. So again, onions are a very medicinal food, um, particularly when um, cooked, um, sautéed. So uh, that's a really good food. Apples, excellent. You know that old saying, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Um, what I would qualify on apples is eat organic. Um, there's a website called ewg.org. It stands for Environmental Working Group, and uh, they do a lot of research on which fruits and vegetables absorb the most pesticides, and apples are right at the top of the list. Uh, strawberries are too, so I don't buy all organic. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of PR about it being too expensive. I think it's too expensive not to eat well, but I don't buy all organic. Apples, I will buy organic always. I'll always buy strawberries organic. There are a few things that I don't um, 
don't uh, scrimp on. Lemons, another medicinal food, uh, really good. Even though you might think of it as an acidic food, it's actually good for settling your stomach. Um, it also is a great cleanser for the gallbladder. If you have gallstones um, or your gallbladder tends to act up, uh, the juice of a half a lemon in water first thing in the morning, very medicinal. So um, keep that in mind. Avocado, this is a fruit that I, I think, does it seem like it's fairly new around New England? Yeah, I never ate it years ago, but it's a great source of fat, and we need fat in our diet. The problem is we have way too much sugar in our diet, but fat is important for keeping us um, filled up and satisfied. Uh, this kind of fat is not going to clog your, your um, arteries. This is a good kind of fat. Um, I use it very often in a salad. If I have a piece of whole grain bread, I'll spread it instead of butter. Somebody once said this is God's butter. <laughs> um, the, the trick with avocado to me is getting it just at the ripe spot and uh, not getting it overripe. I've had many times when I've opened and it's like, ah, two days late on that one. But I do love them. Um, and these are, um, these are spices that I make a part of my uh, menu. Uh, they're all anti-inflammatory. So those aches and pains, those headaches, any kind of inflammation that you have. Um, cinnamon, uh, ginger, and turmeric are all really good spices. Um, I see you nodding, so you use them. I use cinnamon cereal. Yeah. Cereal. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Dana was asking me how I use turmeric. I very often will put it on uh, fish or on a vegetable or in soup, and not a, not a lot. But actually, there are studies going on now. Um, watching Indians, Asian Indians, for uh, their use of turmeric because they have a very low incidence of dementia in that country. And they eat turmeric all the time. So they're wondering if there's actually a connection because if you think about Alzheimer's, it's really an inflammation, isn't it? the brain gets inflamed and gets covered with that plaque. So uh, turmeric, I'm going to pass these around if, if you'd like to look at them. Um, I got these from Thrive, which is an online um, company, but you can get these at grocery stores anywhere. Uh, ground ginger, sometimes in the winter, I will take a quarter teaspoon of ginger in hot water, and that's my tea. I don't even use a tea bag. Um, Ginger is very anti-inflammatory. Um, and cinnamon. Cinnamon is also a, a really good spice. It's medicinal in nature, and it smells so good. So uh, those are three, three of my favorites. So. Um, I have a number board here. 
What I'd like you to do is um, think of this as the, a, a spectrum of your, your health. So you, um, we, we could look at this from one to 10 with the idea that number one is just about dead. <laughs> Barely breathing, really in terrible, terrible shape. And 10 is perfect. Nothing wrong, everything is absolutely perfect. So I want you to think for a minute um, about those numbers and think about your, your own health, what's going on for you right now, and choose a number that, that matches where you're at today. No right or wrong in it, just wherever you are. I'm not going to ask you what it is. <laughs> yeah, everybody have a number? Okay, now what I'd like you to do is fast forward three months. Um, I like, when I work with people, I like to work in small pieces because um, it's, you know, you probably all had the experience of, I'm going to meditate an hour a day or I'm going to exercise an hour a day and it lasts for maybe two days and you say, I can't do that. So I think of major changes in health or in life as being little steps, not, not this huge undertaking, complete overhaul, just maybe one step at a time. But what I'd like you to do is really find a number that you want to aim for for three months out. All right, everybody have that? Yeah? Okay, now what I'd like you to do is turn to somebody in the room and tell them what you're going to do to get there, whatever that is. So just have, just have a little conversation about that. Did you have an idea? I'm going to continue working on, on what I've been working on. Oh, good. Yeah. So you've, you're already working on something? Yeah. Good, good. How about you, Alda? I don't know. I'm being treated for cancer, so. Uh huh. Yeah. Good, good. Nothing really happens without a plan, does it? Um, life gets so busy that it's hard to stay focused on any kind of improvement without having a plan. So, um, well, I, did, I thought your other chart, I was almost going to ask the question, the arrows are only moving one way into heredity from medical and the other options. I was curious as to why they weren't two-way arrows. Mm -hmm. I was just moving this way. The, 
That's not of my design. It's really just uh, an illustration, but that's a good point, yes. The real point of it is the 30% versus the 70. Um, and, you know, sometimes in that 70%, um, it does involve um, medical and wellness um, support, and sometimes it's really a lot of what you do on your own. exercise or maybe try add something different to the mix yeah right now we're doing a, probably um, like a fitness class which incorporates some uh, cardio and uh, with weight, different weights and things to uh, exercises that improve your balance mm -hmm. uh, but uh, my friend and I both want to incorporate other things into our exercise program because they have they offer other things than those fitness classes Great. Oh, that's good. You know, I love that the word fitness is becoming much more a part of what we talk about because somehow exercise sounds like such work, doesn't it? Where fitness is like, yeah, 
I'm getting there. I feel good. So I, I like that word. Um, anybody else have any thoughts about your goals going forward for the next three months? Carol? Well, I want to, um, I was talking about, I had a um, large weight loss, as you know, 30 pounds. And um, I think that, you know, I've been doing pretty well, but I think that now, you know, I moved a few months ago, and now I think I'm start, things are starting to slow down a little. Um, I'm going to really plan more for my meals. Mm -hmm. You know, plan my making sure I have everything I need to eat well, so that I don't wind up at the end of the day and say, oh, I'd love to have a little sugar, mm -hmm. you know. But the apple thing, I think, is perfect because it is great. And sometimes I just put it in. I like how you said it takes a long time to eat. Mm -hmm. That's a real important thing. Yes. So to have, make sure to have things, the proper things around. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Um, the, uh, I just wrote um, a blog post about um, eating uh, three meals a day because we've really gotten away from that. We've gotten away from restaurant, uh, from, we've gotten away from home eating and eating too much in restaurants. And those are the things that um, make weight trickle up. And, you know, when people talk about um, weight gain, it doesn't happen overnight, does it? And so many of the diet plans push you to have a rapid weight loss. Don't even think about the weight. Think about what you're putting in your body and make whatever that is satisfying so that you're not walking around hungry. When you're walking around hungry, anybody, no matter how disciplined they are, are gonna grab the first thing they can find. So plan, uh, have a good breakfast every day. There's an old saying, eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a queen, and dinner like a pauper. And that's really the way we should all eat because it's in the morning that you need your energy for the day. And we can play all sorts of head games like, you know, if, you, if you're a night eater and everyone I've worked with who has um, a problem with obesity is a night eater, everyone. And what can happen is when you're a night eater is you get up in the morning and you're not all that hungry uh, because you've eaten a lot at night. So you can start those head games of like, well, I'm not really hungry. I think I'll wait till later. So you don't get your metabolic engine running when you do that. It, you're still sort of in sleep mode and so you're not burning anything off. So it creates this cycle where you're, it, it becomes really difficult to lose weight. And by the end of the day, you're starving. So you eat a lot again, and then you don't sleep as well. So remember that old saying, eat lunch, eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a queen, and dinner like a pauper, and you'll be fine. Um, you won't have to be thinking about the scale. You'll, you'll just, and make sure those foods are really good quality. Yes. I also think it's important to have things with you. Like if you're somebody yes. who travels a lot in the car. Agreed. Because mm -hmm. that's the trigger sometimes when you get hungry if you're out. Oh my goodness. 
too many hours go by and you don't have access to your lunch. Absolutely. I very often will carry a little packet. Trader Joe's sells um, 12 packs of almonds. Great thing to keep in your purse or your pocket or your glove compartment. An apple travels easily, an orange does. Uh, anything like that. A uh, little bag of carrots. Um, little pack of, hu of hummus, something like that. So um, by all means, be prepared. So if you get caught somewhere, you're not running into McDonald's. <laughs> um, um, so I want to recap on what we've talked about. You have unlimited potential for lifelong wellness. When you believe that, you take the steps and you are proactive. Um, we, we have the ability, if we are lucky, if we are active and uh, committed, uh, to have lifelong wellness. Food becomes you. Um, I brought this little bag with me. Hippocrates saying from Oops, sorry. Let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Way back then they knew how important food was. Um, so keep that in mind. Medication or food, what is going to really heal you? Uh, medication may quell symptoms, but if you're lifelong habits are putting low nutrient foods into your body, you'll have no fuel to, to stay well. So really think about uh, food as your first medicine. Um, think about your mindset. Is it filled with limitations or possibilities? Uh, very powerful um, what goes on in the head. So think about that, what's in your mind? and um, really check, check that out. Listen to the people around you, too. Uh, it's, it's really interesting sometimes to be sitting around a table and have it devolve into, oh, I have this symptom and what medication and blah, 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 blah. Um, lift it up and talk about what you're doing that you're, you just found a new fitness technique to do or something positive so that you don't get pulled into that mindset of decline and expected deterioration. I mean, I'm, I'm not about, um, you know, our ideas about youth and forever young. I'm about forever well and doing the best we can with what we have. And my experience so many years ago of um, finding out that uh, sugar had that damaging effect really changed my life and uh, changed my career as well. So it's a really important piece. So now I want to open it up to you. Questions or thoughts or comments. I have a question. You've referred several times to what you call sweet vegetables. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering what, do you mean carrots? Do you mean, what, what else? Sure. Um, what is it? Sweet potatoes. Absolutely. But that's a starch also, right? So it's that, a very, that. but that's a very, very high nutrient, good food. Um, 
So sweet potatoes are great. Onions, when they're cooked, are Isn't sweet vegetables. Aren't red onions better for you? What is it? Aren't red onions better for you than yellow? Um, probably, uh, simply because of the color. Um, whenever you see color, you, there, there are antioxidants that you don't see in, in a white food. There's someone um, on Channel 2 that's a strong proponent of red onions. Mm. And all that guy, Dyer, some, one of those. Might be um, Joel Fer Furman. Yes. Okay, yeah. yes. <laughs> he, he's actually the one that... He's a wiry twig. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, he did the, uh, the study I mentioned earlier on the lowered risk um, from var uh, various cancers from certain foods. Now, what about these antioxidants? Like, how many blueberries would be too much? A pint? Like blueberries, red wine, dark, dark chocolate, over 72% cocoa? Yeah, I, um, I don't think about how much is too much. I think about mindfulness when you're eating, like how much is enough for you? Um, there are so many variables that go into that, um, including how active you are, how old you are, um, what you're going to be doing uh, for the rest of the day. Um, so I, I think about just really lis listening to your body and knowing. So if you go way back and watch a baby or a toddler, they know exactly how much is enough. We kind of lose that because of distractions like watching television when we're eating, um, when we're younger, having our parents not let us leave the table till we finish. Um, history of dieting where it says you can only have two ounces of something when you really need four. Um, so I, I don't really get into have a pint or a half pint. I get it more into variety. Have your fruits and vegetables, have um, some protein sauce, have some fat sauce and make those all good choices like avocado, like um, wild fish, uh, you know, just mixing it up like that. Um, yeah, does that help? Yes. Okay. Anybody else? Yes. One thing that you mentioned about the people 100 and over, <clears throat> one thing they had in common uh, was that they didn't worry. I'm sorry, I didn't hear. Yeah. They, they don't worry. But they weren't worried <laughs> once. They all had that one that thing in common. Oh, that they don't worry, yeah. And um, they, they could people eat anything they want or whatever, but the one thing they all had in common was that one thing. And how do you, how do you not worry if you're only you worry? Like, you know? How do you, you not worry? Be extraneous, say, learn to say no, and realize that less is more, and become a simpleton. Yeah. And go until you hit a wall. The sky is not going to fall. Right, right. Um, there, there are a lot of, there are a lot of reasons to worry in today's world, and <laughs> and the best thing you can do is not listen. Um, I have a place down in Naples, um, Florida, and so last weekend, um, you know, the hurricane was coming. There were evacuations. And Sunday morning, I got up. That was, that was D-Day. <laughs> I got up and I made a decision. I'm not listening for the day because I, um, 
knew there was absolutely nothing I could do about it, nothing at all, and I would find out what happened the next day. And it just was so liberating. Yes. And that experience of worrying all day would have done me no good. Don't mind talking about it. The oldest man in the world said he, he did eat a citrus fruit every uh, day, and he didn't eat supper. Okay, yeah, no he supper. He breakfast and lunch. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody made a joke, yeah, he was in bed by then. <laughs> I'm seeing more and more of that, actually, uh, the two-meal-a-day plan. On the other extreme, I know some people, even though they're twiggy, yeah. they think they're fat. Mm -hmm. And if they eat during the day, oh, I just want to, I won't be able to work. And they gorge a huge meal at night. Yes. And a lot of time, even laying back in bed, which, you know, it's really supposed to be, like, vertical. When you yes. Eat, you know. It's true. Right. I worked with a woman at one time who was scheduled for a big surgery for acid reflux and um, they were actually going to reposition her stomach and she'd have to have five or six meals a day. It wasn't, it wasn't for weight, it was because of this burning she had. And you know, when I got to know her, I found out she was a night eater. I went to bed right after she ate, and she was eating really all packaged foods. So there's a lot of additives in those packaged foods that can be very irritating. So after a short period of time, um, not going to bed after she ate, eating earlier, changing her food, all her symptoms resolved. So again, the body knows how to heal. It's our lifestyle that can make us sick. Yeah. So, other questions? Any? Like, uh, like uh, diabetes. Um, yeah? I don't have it. I have a, a sister who, who died because of it. But, um, you know, when I think back on her life, we lived in two different states, so I wasn't with her all the time. But could she have prevented that by eating differently? Because I know she always says, well, I eat a, like, Kind of a white diet. In other words, she's yes. not eating any colorful food. So Does she have type two diabetes? Um, she, I don't think she had to take. Um, I don't think she was taking insulin. Okay, so type one is um, when you have that, your body doesn't make any insulin. With type two, it usually ends up making too much, and you get insulin resistance, and it's that. Um, that, what do you call it, the, um, the muffin top, um, you get round in the middle. Um, that's from eating too much sugar and um, simple carbs, all the white food, like you say. But I know personally people who have recovered from type 2 diabetes just by changing their food and their exercise. Exercise is really, really important if you want to reverse type 2 diabetes. Um, and what you're really doing is re-regulating your blood sugar so that you don't get those, those spikes <coughs> and, and, um, and dips. So. I think you can actually change your metabolism too mm -hmm. if you become more lean. Oh sure, yes, most and definitely. Like, <coughs> the, the best meal for me is a salad, like club soda and a chicken Caesar salad. Mm -hmm. No croutons, no bread, and I always feel light afterwards. In sushi too, even uh -huh. though it has the rice, 
it's it's almost like you can't even fill up on it. You just feel li- always feel light. Yes. You don't go away hungry. I was wondering, should you be satisfied after a meal or slightly hungry? I know everybody says, but who actually <coughs> leaves the table slightly hungry? That that would require a lot of discipline. Yeah. I think. I I think that the slightly hungry is probably not the best way to describe it, mm. but. Um, there's a, uh, there's a Japanese saying, um, I think it's harabuchi wa. I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% sure that's it, but it's something like that. And it means um, almost full. Um, and that's what they like to do. They don't like that feeling of being full because that's when it's hard to move yeah. and you get sleepy and it, it, it's, it's a habit, and it's much easier not to overeat when you're paying attention to the experience of eating. Also, when you're talking about metabolism, if you eat a meal when you're all stressed out, your metabolism isn't going to turn on because it's protecting you, saving those calories, that energy for the flight or fight. So you want to always calm yourself down before you eat and just settle in and relax and be mindful in the experience of eating and you'll digest better, you'll feel better, and you'll eat enough but not too much. Like harahachibu, that's what it is. Just came back to me. So I have some things for you. Um, Any other questions? Um, we're We're all good? Okay. Um, This is a little homework for you. Um, It's uh, it's called Markers for Health, and it's just very similar to the spectrum we did. There's a whole list of um, qualities in our lifestyle that that influence our health and our well-being. And then there's a rating chart over here. And the idea is that you kind of grade yourself on where you're at in all of those. And again, taking the three-month plan into account, um, make a plan for if, if you hit on one of these, I'll tell you quickly what they are. Rest, balanced diet, physical activity, mental stimulation, social interaction, enrichment, fun, loving relationships, and giving of yourself, volunteerism. That's actually a marker for healthy living when you give time or love or something um, in a voluntary way. Um, So I'll give you this and um, I also have a little magnet for you. Health is your wealth. Heal from the inside out, just to remind you all. And anybody have a September birthday? No? Um, October? Whoa! November? All right. (laughs) I'm going to give you a copy of my book, um, Food Becomes You. (laughs) So you've been great. What a great audience. Thank you so much for coming tonight. I want to give you these. And um, thank you. And uh, feel free to reach out to me if you have any other questions. I'm here to help. Um, it's my favorite topic, as I mentioned at the start. Yes. Just a quick question: Sleeping at night. Mm-hmm. And is there something that you can recommend? I go to sleep, and then four hours later, I'm up. 
Okay. Um, it, how long has this been going on? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one to break when it's been going on for quite a few years. Do you find that you're napping or doing something that... No, I'm, I go okay. 100 miles a minute during the day. Okay, do you have uh, coffee or other stimulants after noon time? Nope. No? Um, alcohol at night? Uh, usually not. Okay, that's good. Uh, stuff on your mind? Always. All right. Here's an idea. There's, there's a technique called guided meditation. You can download um, a recording. I actually have one uh, for stress management. And um, people who listen to it say um, they never hear the end of it because it puts them to sleep, which is fine with me. Um, but anything like that, uh, it, so if you Google guided meditation, you could find one and download it to your phone or your radio if you have a, um, something beside your bed. You can just click it on and listen to it, see if that can lull you back. Um, there are other things like melatonin that you could try. Um, some people have success with it, others not, but it's a really tough thing when it's so embedded. And in traditional Chinese medicine, we all have a body clock and kidney energy, um, which is related to sleep, actually um, is most uh, sensitive at that hour. So I'm gonna give you one acupressure point that might help. Um, I always use this with my grandson when I was trying to get him to nap and he'd go right up. Um, my granddaughter, not so much, but um, it's, let me see if I can show you on this chair so you all can see. It's uh, the inside of your ankle um, right here. So you, you find your ankle bone and you press your thumb right under the bone and you just press it in and out a little bit. Um, press in and hold and release, press in and hold and release. In Chinese medicine, that's called uh, the joy of sleep. That's what the name of that point is. So you might try that and Both see feet. if that helps. Both feet, yes. Mm -hmm. is, yeah? Is there a feeling that you know what, which, if you got it? It doesn't it. matter if you feel anything um, like in terms of, oh, like it's, if it's in the front here. Oh, so okay. it's right below the bone. Right below the bone. Yep. Thank you. Yep. It's a little soft spot there. Um, so don't do it before you're driving. <laughs> so before you go to bed, just sort of how many times? Like uh, three or minute? four times you could do oh, it or a minute, what, whatever feels yeah. right. Uh, but it's worth trying, and please, if it works, let me know, because that would make me very happy. Sometimes <laughs> people have sleep apnea, too, and they don't realize. Yes, yeah, but with this pattern of waking up at the same time, I think it's something with your biorhythm that's causing that to happen. Sometimes I think that's